1: right everybody welcome back to another episode of the bull hunter chronicles podcast brought to you by huntworth huntworth bringing you quality clothing and packs at a price you deserve check them out at huntworthgear.com and i'm riding high off of this past weekend uh the patreon deer camp was a tremendous success um uh, yeah, some guys killed some deer. Congratulations, Tim Clark on a beautiful Michigan public land, eight point. And, uh, the only out of stater, uh, Jason, he shot a spike, um, thought it was a doe off the ground. Um, perfectly legal, uh, but just super cool, uh, experience. And then, uh, The other podcasters that were there, Joe Davis, Generations to Hunt podcast, was killing doe family groups. And uh, Josh Mapes from Overdrive Outdoors, a guest on the show, great dude, kind of opened the floodgates with a a doe on Saturday night. What a great time. Um, I know there were some guys that were planning on coming up and couldn't make it and um, some some guys who are wishing they would have came. Um, just, it was an incredible deer camp. We're going to do a podcast, uh, John, Frank, Ernie and I next week. So next week's podcast, will go into all the details. This week's podcast was with, um, the zinger fletching guys and the zinger guys. I mean, you'll hear about it in the podcast. Uh, hopefully you'll get the, the same, uh, feeling that, that we do. Um, but these guys just come through for us every time. They're just great dudes they sent up a whole bunch of stuff, uh, for us to give away swag and, and zingers. And, you know, they, they support us and, and everything that we do. Um, and I just got to get a, a big shout out to them and this, this podcast, you know, we got John on here, um, and kind of to give his thoughts on, on the zingers, like from their inception to, to where they're at now. I can't, honestly, I can't believe we haven't had these guys on the podcast, uh, previously, but, um, in the tim's buck was killed with a with a zinger arrow i mean super cool um just a a a great great camp so um for you guys that are patreons um we're planning on doing it this year we're working through the logistics to see um how we can keep the same feel and uh keep it going, but to do that, you gotta be a patreon. you know this is we keep saying we do everything that we can to give back um to those that support the show, and this was just one one thing that kind of really turned out um the way that we were we were hoping um so like I say, Patreon's a, a crowdfunding for creators, and um you know it's a small donation every month that that helps us continue to do what we do, but man, um. the the caliber of people that were up at the camp and and the learning that went on, all that stuff was just, just great. So you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash Borner Chronicles podcast, or, um, you can just go to our website, Borner Chronicles podcast.com. You know, we've got links to everything. You can, you can click on it and check it out and, you know, got to give a shout out to the latest Patreons, uh, Zach Rao up in Gaylord. And then uh, our buddy, um, Aaron Ritter's buddy Jeremy Cabaretta. We got to have him on the podcast. We've been we've been going back and forth. Um, I got him on my board here uh, to talk to, but he's out of uh, New York. Great dude. So thank you guys for uh, supporting the show. And uh, we do quarterly giveaways uh, for that. And so. October 16th this Sunday um, we'll go live on Instagram and we'll announce those uh, giveaway winners we're giving away a full latitude saddle kit Um, I've got that here Huntworth is giving away uh, their Holton setup Um, as we're getting into right right now currently in Michigan it's rainy and uh, windy and uh, that that suit has that Sherpa lining in it, DWR coated, super warm, super windproof. Um, So they're giving away one of those, probably one of my favorite setups um, for cold weather uh, to this point. Um, Spartan Forge, you know, Spartan Forge is uh, artificial intelligence for the deer woods and uh, has predictive deer uh, software, but now they're giving away free mapping to everybody you can check that out at spartanforge.ai and if you want all the add-ons and all the other things uh, that is available through that you can go online to that website and you can use code bowhunter to save uh, 25 percent. but they give away a year's uh, subscription lucky buck they give away some of their lucky buck or uh, some seed if you can't use mineral in your area and um, yeah I mean just great great stuff. We try and give back uh, as much as we can. This, this quarter, um, I got to get with Huntworth and see what, uh, what we can come up with for them to give away. Um, and this, this quarter, we're going to get back into giving away a bow. So we'll figure out, uh, what we're, what we're thinking as far as giving stuff away, um, as a bow package. And, uh, one of our other, um, uh, sponsors, Adjustable Red, dot, <laughs> those guys, uh, this past weekend, uh, Tim's son shot a, a nice eight point up there on their property near where we were hunting. Uh, we couldn't get together with him, but uh, but yeah, they're they're slaying them before they head to Kansas. And that adjustable red dot sight, Frank's got it back on his bow, ready to go um, for for this uh, upcoming season. And John's figuring mine out because he detuned the bow. Um, so uh, as soon as he gets that bow tuned up, I'll be, I'll be shooting that one here in in Michigan as well. So we'll make sure we get one of those put on the, the giveaway bow, uh, coming up. We'll, we'll get that taken care of. But, uh, this podcast again, like I say, with the Zinger guys is great. There's a lot of hunting talk. There's a lot of, um, you know, talk about the deer camp aspect and that kind of will lead into, uh, next week's podcast for the Patreon hunt, but. Um, As always, we just thank everybody who listens to the podcast, supports us, uh, you know, tell somebody else about the podcast. Uh, It's amazing to see uh, how far this has come in this past weekend was uh, an incredible testament to that. So, um, you know, tell your buddies about the podcast and all as always. Thanks for listening. All right, everybody, Adam and John back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. And i am have we had these guys on before? That's right, no. Yeah, I don't think so. I know I had them on the Vitals Live, and I've talked to them in person 7,000 times. Um, and I always text Steve, and I say, where's my Pappy Van Winkle? Um, but we've got the guys from uh, Zinger, Fletchings uh, on today. I was going to say the other thing that I always say, but I'm not going to because Brian will get upset. And so, so there's nothing like <laughs> there's other no cursing, right? There's nothing like other products that slide on the back of your arrow. Um, these are nothing like that. They're these are 3D printed fletchings. I talk about them on every intro, and uh, you know I like them, and I think John has at least seen the value in them. But yeah. uh we'll, we'll get into a little bit that uh, about that but uh how are you guys doing today? Doing well. Good. Good. So we got Brandon, Steve and and Brian.
2: So you know it's getting closer to hunting season so for Michigan at least and you know that itch is it it's happening.
1: <clears throat> well, Steve's already killed a one what how big is the deer you killed? Uh measured him a few times. We
3: are we <laughs> We're right at one fifty and an eighth, So nice. for an eight point. So he's uh he's a
1: solid eight point. He is a solid eight point. <laughs> so so let before we get into all the, the the details of the products and stuff, let's hear about this hunt. I mean, you must have we were joking around the, at the beginning, you you guys always kill these big deer, you take pictures in front of this it's got to be this high fence ranch where you guys pay the money to go in there. And we were talking about whether, you know, you took the ear tag out before or after the photos. So give us a little bit of an idea of like how you had this deer, you know, how much it cost all that that (laughs) stuff. (laughs) So the cost is
3: $163 for the over the counter tag out of state (laughs) license. Um, no, we have a we have a family farm in Wisconsin. So that's where my uh, my mom grew up. Uh, it's my grandpa's farm. So now it's split between the three kids. So my mom and her brother and sister. Um, it's a 200 acre farm. Uh, we've got split up. We've got a lot of a lot of pines on there. Probably 25 year old pines growing up. So deer like to deer like to hang out in that. We've uh, Brian and Dad have planted a lot of uh, food plots in there. So We've, uh, we've done a lot of steps to, to really keep the deer there. Um, uh, the, the spot I was hunting was over a bean field, which was the only bean field within a few hundred yards. So, I mean, there really wasn't, really wasn't any other beans close. So they were really hitting them hard. Um, we, uh, I had a lot of, or I guess we all had a lot of history with this deer, I passed him last year. Um, he was, he was a dang good. I don't even know how many points he had, but he had, he had a mess coming out of his one side on the inside side of his left side. And, uh, or, yeah, well, I think it was his left or right. Um, but we called him, we called him six pack. Cause he had six on one side. Um, and about right, right before season, he broke that whole side off the whole front of his rack broke off right at where all that junk came out. So we pretty much deemed him unshootable, which for my mom was a, uh, <laughs> was a no, no. She's like, I I'll shoot him if he comes in front of me, which I will give my mom credit. She, she passed this deer twice at 15
2: yards. Because we told her not to shoot him. (laughs) Well, tell her, tell him what, tell him what she ended up shooting. And luckily she did, because she
3: did end up shooting a, I rough scored it, which I'm, it's a, it's a non typical, which I don't know how to score those that well. I rough scored him at like 166. I, how many, how many scorable points did he have? Was it 18? Something like
2: that. It was, it was a very unique deer. Um, a lot of character, a lot of points coming off here and there, and a lot of mass. Really carried the mass well, and just looked like a like a swamp creature. <laughs> just a unique um, overall deer that anybody would be happy with, and happy that she was able to to, to put her tag around it. And so, continue, Steve. Sorry.
4: <laughs> no, you're
3: good. You're good. Yeah. So she ended up tagging sixty-six. But She's not too upset about passing it, but she still lets me, uh, lets me know that, Hey, you're the reason I, that that deer is still leave, living. So, um, but no, uh, I passed him. He was at 30 yards for me. Came, came out, out of the pines and chasing a doe stopped in the, in one of our food plots, stood there for a minute and I watched him. I saw his good side and they turned and looked down towards me. And I'm like, Oh crap. I was like, that's one I can't shoot. <laughs> But <clears throat> looking back now, now I'm really glad that I did pass him. So he, uh, he definitely added added a lot more mass this year. Um, just a mainframe eight. I can grab him, obviously. I'll show him. <laughs> so, yeah, he uh, – I want to say – what were they, Brian? 12, 13-inch? <laughs>
4: 11 and a half, 12 and a quarter. Yeah. Each side was pretty much spot on, like 11 and a half to 12 and a quarter.
3: So very symmetrical. Um, he, you know, he, if anything, he was only off on each time by, by a couple eights. Um, but yeah, he, uh, he was, he was what we, uh, we would call a frequent flyer on our cameras he was very visible towards the end of last season. He was everywhere. He was breeding every single doe he could. Um towards the end of the season we went we went back for a late season uh gun hunt. Um so my dad had his muzzle loader and he was he was trying to get a doe for for one of our uh family friends. Um So what we were doing was just, we were going to push this set of pines to push some doe out to him. Maybe we were just going to shoot a doe. Well, I walked to the backside, started pushing up towards him. And when I got in there, all I see is legs just running through this, through this pine woods. And (laughs) I squat down and I'm looking and it's just all legs. And I'm like, holy cow, there's a lot of deer in here. So I start, I start trying to circle them towards, towards my dad that's sitting up in this, uh, in this box blind and I'm running through this pine woods full, full speed, trying to, trying to cut them off to try to force them to his way. And, uh, these, these doe are just circling me They're because it's, it's a decent sized little pine woods. Um, so they're circling me. So I'm trying to stop I turn around, I run the other way. And then I see this guy six pack. Um, and he is the only buck I saw with probably 20 plus doe in this pines. And he would not leave that. He would not leave that pines. He just circled me, ended up my dad shooting a doe, but he never, he never saw that one pop out, but yeah, he just circled around me. Um, so that was, that's how we ended last season with him there. And when he showed up on our cameras this year, Uh, we have a few, had a few cell cam cams out there and, uh, he showed up and noticed that he had gained a few inches on his tines and, uh, quite a bit more mass. So we were pretty pleased that he was going to be one of the, what we had two. we have two that we were, we were after that one. And then another one we call, we call splits. Um, he's got split brows, but that one's going to score a decent amount better than this, the one I shot, um, But anyways, I, I decided after Brian was there the night before he came up Friday night, he was able to take a ride, uh, check in the bean field to see what was out there the night before opening opening day. And he said, Hey, I saw splits out there with another wide, wide eight, wide eight or nine point. And I was like, all right, cool, cool, cool. Um, so we, Brian and I devised a plan <clears throat> for Saturday morning based on the wind and everything. He was going to hunt one section of the farm. I was going to hunt the backside. His wind was going to probably push deer to me. And when I walked back there, I could possibly push them up to him. That didn't work out. We didn't see a single deer. <laughs> um, so come evening uh, we were, or afternoon, we were sitting around the house, just kind of figuring out where everybody was going to hunt and you know nobody claimed that bean field so i said well where's everyone hunting uh and they were going to go hunt this other 40 40 acre section that we have this landlocked uh couple miles away and they're like we're going to just go hunt that you know everybody's pretty much just trying to doe hunt that we we go up there early season just to shoot some doe out of the, out of the herd and you know get some meat i am completely out of dough meat or uh venison i have a couple back straps left no ground so i'm like you know i need to i need to refill the refill the stock um so i go all right brian i'm brian had a bolt set which he just has a couple screw-in bolts you go up it's probably i don't know 16 18 foot up in a big row of white pines that we have right on the edge of the bean field so i'm like i'm gonna go hunt that Brian, dad, and mom went to the 40 is what we call the 40 acre lot that we have. So I'm sitting there in this bean field and out pop some dough. They come straight to my downwind. They blow, they leave. I'm like, oh gosh, I hope that's not how this night's going to go. Um, so out of this section of woods that Brian was hunting in the morning, out come these five bucks. And six pack was one of them. And he starts working along. He's probably 180 at the time. And watching him for I watched that deer for probably 20 minutes. Car comes, stops. He's only 60 yards from the road. I mean you see that deer stand in the field, obviously you're gonna stop and take a gander at him. Well when that car stopped, that field cleared they all ran to the pot ran to the far side of the field into the another set of pines we have and I'm like well he ain't coming back well 20 minutes later he pops back out with another 10 doe so those five bucks come out 10 doe and they stood out there feeding for another 40 minutes at 180 yards and I'm like yeah, well, this is cool and all. <laughs> I, I thought it was just a great hunt to watch them all out there. I had some great video of him standing on the on the crest, you know, he's looking around. Um, just beautiful deer. And uh yeah, I had probably five or so doe come out four different times, blow at me right to my downwind. And I'm like, gosh dang it, you know, there's no way this guy's gonna come over here. Well, sitting long enough. It's get it's starting to starting to turn, you know, sunset and starting to turn twilight, whatever. And he starts working towards me, and I'm like, "This ain't gonna happen." Like it, it's just he's moving so slow, so slow. He's out there, he's fighting with this with this other nine point for probably half an hour. They fight, they rack rack up. They're they're pushing each other around this nine points, pushing pushing the deer I shot pushing him around pretty dang good, you know, almost flipping him on his back. And it got to the point where I'm like, ah, man, do I, do I shoot one of these doe that are, that are within 30 yards of me, or do I just hold out? And I'm like, man, I, 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 I thought so many times, like I should probably just shoot one of these deer and then kind of clear the field so I can get down and get out of there. Cause he's not going to make, he's not going to close the distance. Well, I'm glad I didn't because he just kept coming a little bit closer, a little bit closer, a little bit closer, and he got to about 50 yards. And I'm like, this actually might happen. And that nine point that he was fighting with all night ended up coming, and I'm ranging him. He's at 30 yards, and I'm like, if this dude gets to 30 yards, I'm going to take that shot. Well, he's coming directly to me, and – He starts to make it turn to, to, towards my right, which is going to be my downwind. And I'm like, please don't do it. Please don't do it. Please don't do it. If there's anything, please do not do that. He gets. He starts turning right. And I'm like, well, crap, he's going to win me. And I'm like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Then he turns to go to my left. And I'm like, is this really going to happen? So he turns and follows that nine point. And I range a spot on the ground. And I'm like, all right, if he gets to that spot, I'm shooting. You know, I've turned my dial back. I got a HHA single pin uh, adjustable and rolled that to 30. And I said, if he goes to there, I'm taking him. So he turns, comes right to 30. I draw back <clears throat> and put it on him. And I come down and I go back up and then I come down and I go back up and I'm trying to stay on him. And I'd watched him for so long. Like most of the time, I'm sitting there doing one of these, you know, when, (laughs) when a big buck comes in and I've, I've never had a big buck like this come in that close. Um, so I figured I'd shake a lot more than I did, but I think I watched him for so long that the nerves just, they were gone and it was just down to business. So I settled in on him and squeezed it off and he ducked it and (laughs) I hit, I hit, I hit him a touch high. He dropped. So I and I, and he's trying to get up. His back end won't come up. And I'm like, crap. I was like, but also I was like, he's down. Like, I spined him, and I felt horrible about it. And I'm trying. I put another arrow on. I draw back, and he's 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 looking right at me, like on the ground, crawling right to me. And I'm like, I can't take a shot. Him. I all I have is his face. So I'm like, oh crap take the arrow off, put it back in the quiver, grab my bag, grab the tie rope, lower my bow, climb down, um, get an arrow off, kind of circle down and around him and get within about 10 yards. And I get a second shot on him. And about 15 seconds later, that was, uh, that was it. I, when I shot that second shot, I I was in disbelief that it had just happened, that I just shot the biggest deer of my life. So I, I couldn't even, I couldn't even stand up, you know, it's like, I sat down and it was like, I don't get, I don't get very emotional, but that deer, the history that we've had with him, I, I sat there, I sat on the ground by myself in the, in the middle of that bean field, just, I started tearing up, man. Like I, I was so emotional, so excited. I didn't, I didn't know how to process it. I was just, it was surreal looking at that deer laying there and it took me, it took me five to 10 minutes before I even called my wife. And, you know, they were, they were on their way back and, you know, I called her and I was like, Tia, I just, I just, I just shot six pack. And she's like, come on, seriously. And I'm like, I'm dead serious. Like, this is not a joke. And she's like, wait, what? And I hear Brian in the background, let's go. Are You, serious? <laughs> you know, you could tell how excited he was. Um, and just, just getting to share that moment with, with my wife, Brian, uh, my dad, my mom, and they swung by the house, grabbed my two kids. You know, I, I have a five-year-old and an eight-year-old, they came out there, they had to wake my, wake my son up. And it was, it was, it was definitely surreal to, uh, to be able to experience that with, with you know family and you know your your hunting partners it was awesome
1: yeah that's a cool story and you know we you know i always give kind of people crap like whatever like you know it's always the must be nice for these guys that have all this history with all these deer and all this stuff because you know that's just not really the way that we hunt you know but that's a super cool story and, uh, i love the emotion of it but i just can't help but think like i'm glad brian was excited for you but it's like you're like my dad and brian planted these food plots brian set these bolts you know it's like you're just like riding his coattails you know
3: yeah Yeah. team
1: effort right
3: (laughs) most most of most of my hunting experience is hey brian where do you think i should go tonight Hey, Brian, where where are you seeing the good deer at? You know, Brian's my, uh, undercover, uh, undercover agent pretty much to find the deer for me. And then he just, he just sets me up in the right spot to, uh, to make, make it happen.
5: So with the history of that buck, you said last year he had a bunch of junk. Did you guys have pictures? Like did he must've damaged his rack and velvet or something? Or, I mean, I mean, normally they have, if they have that junk, they, they carry it over but yeah i i don't know
3: what had happened um like if you look at the rack he's got like a one of like the the bot holes or whatever you call them so if you look here you know, like he had broke he had broke this whole section off so like well i guess it would have been this whole section he just had the one time coming up and in on the inside is where he had all his junk coming off. So there was like three or four extra points that came off the inside here. And I, I don't know. I don't know how he didn't get that back, but yeah, I understand what you're saying. Usually, usually they get that back. So I don't know if like him breaking it clean off last year, if that changed things or if just age, I don't, I, I don't know how it happened, but. Yeah, I kind of wish he had it all, but
5: yeah. Still, that's, I mean, it's a pretty awesome story, though, that you guys got yeah. to have all those interactions and then and end up killing them.
1: Well, I can feel, uh, like, the same way I was trying to, like, think through it, like, the the getting excited part. There's, like, a couple of things, and, I, you know, our podcast, we talk to a lot of, like, new hunters or guys that are trying to, like, you know, haven't killed a lot of deer, or haven't killed a lot of big bucks or, or any of that. And that's one thing that's hard to, like, articulate is there's sometimes when the deer comes in and it's so fast that you don't even get a chance to do that. <laughs> and I feel like you had the exact opposite where the deer was out there for so long, you know, if he'd have probably taken five minutes to come in, you'd have been shaken like a leaf. But, but you had enough time to be like the car scared him away and all this stuff. And now he's back. And I think, you know, f- just as a, aside for like guys that haven't had deer around them that much, like those does that you had inside a bow range, you know, probably calmed any of those nerves. Cause I know if the only deer that's in there is a doe and I'm doe hunting and I think that she's, you know, out alert or going to wind me or something like I get a similar amount of buck fever. Like as soon as I know I'm going to kill them, like it needs to be either be really quick or you know like you said like you have all day to make the decision
3: yeah and i i I think i think you're right on that like anytime anytime i make that decision like it doesn't matter the size of the deer once i in my head usually if i'm like i'm gonna take this deer that's when it everything changes and, and you get that oh crap like you know the shaking and but yeah with i i had almost shot three different doe that that night because I was like, you know, I'm just gonna shoot one of these doe, clear the field, get out of here. Um, he's not gonna know any different. He's just gonna know the deer ran off and you know, whatever. But the whole night it was this is not gonna happen. Like he's not gonna clear, he's not gonna come this way. And if he does, it's not gonna be within bow range. He's gonna he's gonna come, he's gonna skirt and just scoot on by. But yeah, when he made that turn to go go to the left, my left, I was like. <laughs> this might happen. And, and I don't know why I didn't shake. I don't, and it had to be just because I washed them all night and just was still in the, in the thought of this isn't going to happen.
0: At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR 15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop midwayusa.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to midwayusa.com.
3: And then when it did, once that, once it actually happened, that's when all the emotions just kind of, you know, rained down on me. And it was, it was, it was, it was surreal.
1: Well, and it, it's funny just like, listen to you say that. And like, you know, Dan Infault's like, well, if you don't think it's going to happen, like you're in the wrong spot or you need to get down and move. And you're up there watching this deer going, It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Like, <laughs> there's like,
3: nowhere I can go, though.
1: You know, right. he's in the
3: middle of a bean field. It's not like I can get down and make a move on him. You know, it's, uh, it's either he's going to come or he's not. And being early season, I, you know, there's a lot of season left. So if it didn't happen, you know, there's a lot of season to make it happen. and. When he got to that 30, I'm like, I I have to take this shot because, I mean, a, cat, a deer of that caliber, like you you just don't get them in bow range that often. And when you do, you have to capitalize. And I was uh, definitely lucky enough to capitalize.
1: <laughs> well, that's awesome. I mean, I don't know. Uh, you're right, a deer of that caliber it's hard to get him in bow range, but I was thinking like, too, you're like, that's early season. We passed this deer 50 times last year. So, you know, <laughs> I'll, somebody will get a crack at him. You know?
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, and it was what, he's one of those deer that we had on camera so many times. So he, what he lived there, like he lived on our farm. Like he, he, he bred a lot of the dough. So hopefully a lot of his, uh, genetics are in there. um, but yeah, it's uh, like I said, it's, it is definitely still like still trying to comprehend everything. Just, I still just tell my wife, I was like, Hey, did you see that? See that deer I shot? <laughs> you know?
2: Yeah. He came, he came driving to my house uh, the day after <clears throat> he's like, check out what I was driving around all day, <laughs> pulls it out. And he's like, Hey, you want to talk about this? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, of course. So we cracked a beer and had another moment. Cause that, that's what it's all about. You know, that camaraderie and, you know, like you. Like Steve was saying, um, just a little bit ago when, when he made the call, both Teresa and I, I mean, we're like, nah, he's, he's joking with us. He's razzing us. But when we could tell, like Teresa could tell with his voice that he was serious. I mean, just that camaraderie, that camp type feeling, like, you know, just being a part of it is, is what it's all about. Oh yeah. And I mean, so the way that we hunt,
1: like in a lot of this, like public land, like go way back type crap it is very like solo. And I've been talking about that a lot lately. We're doing this Patreon hunt, but like when we were in Ohio, that was like, you know, we'd go down there, we'd be waiting back and the truck would pull in. And then it was like freaking, it was like a meme or like from a bad movie, like crushing beers, like spraying <laughs> like, like,
5: yeah. Oh my God.
1: You know, everybody's looking at the deer. Like it didn't matter who shot it. It was just
5: yeah. drink you know. 130 beers in one night. <laughs> Uh, true story <laughs> that's no bullshit oh, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I woke Better up not. in the morning i was like the only one like i went to bed early and we had all bought like 30 packs and get up in the morning like holy shit there's no <laughs> beer left
1: like what do <laughs> <laughs> like, what the hell Well, like John was getting up to hunt the next day, and like everybody else was just like everywhere. Like, he's like, I'm going to bed, I'm going hunting. And like everybody else was like, Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. I was like, I don't have a tag, so I'm not going to hunt. You guys (laughs) are in the hot tub and everything. (laughs) When we left that, like, it was, I don't even know if it was Airbnb, it was just a cabin, but like there was like five full size garbage bags of just beer cans, like on the porch. Like, that was (laughs) it, because I shot one. And then Dan shot one the next day or something. Yep. Yeah. So we killed almost 300 inches of deer in 12 hours or something. So we we're like, we'll have a beer for every inch. <laughs> that was for sure. That's the way to do it. <laughs> Heck yeah. So, but yeah, that that camaraderie is is something I feel like, you know, social media does a poor job of like articulating. They, they think it's all about. You know, just killing big deer or, you know, public land or kayaks or trad or, you know, whatever, like whatever's cool today or the newest thing Um, in the camp aspect of it is is something that's, you know, needs to be revitalized, I think, you know.
3: For sure. Yeah, I think. And and that's one part that I love about it is being able to go hunt with a, with a group of guys, whether, whether it's people you know really well or don't know that well, um, just being able to even, even learn something just every time you go hunt, you know, I, I went with a couple of the guys from the bow hunting league. I went down there for the early season hunt and I, I wouldn't even go to hunt. I just wanted to go film some guys. So I got with Ben Harrison and I was like, Hey man, I just want to come down and just film some guys. And he's like, yeah, he's come on down, you know? Um, Cause I, I hadn't, I hadn't ever put my hands on a velvet, velvet deer, you know, the fresh shot or whatever, you know, obviously I've been to deer park. We live, uh, <laughs> 20 minutes from, uh, from the Dells. So they have that little deer park there. So you get to go pet the deer or whatever, <laughs> um, and envision yourself shooting every single one of them. <laughs> um, but yeah, just getting to go there and just see, you know, guys and how they, how they go about their hunts and how how they uh handle themselves in camp and just picking up on the little things that they do because i i mean you guys know the the bow hunting league there's some there's some true killers in there and a lot of a lot of the guys don't want they don't they they're they're like loners they don't they don't they hunt by themselves they do everything by themselves and and if you can pick a little bit of stuff up, up from from anybody you go out with, you know you can uh, you can definitely learn a lot. And that's that's what I really want to do is just kind of learn from learn from all these killers because I'm by far from from a killer.
1: Why do you um, think
5: we started the podcast? I mean, I think Ernie shot the eight point that same year too. Yeah, out oh, that same spot off yeah. the bench.
1: Yeah, you <laughs> your But Yeah, yeah. So the. Bow Hunt League guy like we had him on the podcast and talked with him but like meeting Ben Harrison in person like w- he's probably the nicest guy I've ever met in my life like mm-hmm. you know and I talked to the guy for 4 hours or something like just uh, carrying on a conversation <laughs> just hanging out like yeah
3: yeah true down to earth dude and uh just loves hunting just loves hunting loves deer loves loves everything about it so
1: yeah. And you, you mentioned the, the bow hunt league there. I wanted to talk about that anyways. That's not something I told you guys about or whatever, but you guys are pretty involved in that with sponsoring that and everything. So what's your, your involvement with it? So we are a, uh,
3: we are one of their main four sponsors for the league. Um, any, any, or oh, I guess the biggest buck in every state, we, uh, will win a pack of zingers, um, we uh we've seen that's we've gained a lot of a lot of success from the hunting league um and thanks to you know ben and ben and all his guys matt and da you know they're all they all uh definitely help zingers uh they've helped in the growth of zingers um it just you know zingers are one of those one of those things that help help the ease of hunting. You know, not everybody knows how to fletch. Not everybody, not everybody wants to fletch. Not everybody can fletch and zingers definitely. Yeah. Adam, um, zinger, zingers definitely help with the, with the ease of
1: being able to get you to the woods faster. So Brian, since we haven't talked about this yet and we uh, looks like we haven't had you on the podcast which i feel like we have or we've talked about it for a long time can you tell us how you stole these kids idea
2: and marketed it as <laughs> yeah hopefully you know they they follow us so hopefully they'll listen to this then they'll be like hey you guys you guys we got to make a deal here <laughs> so so i teach uh I teach a high school engineering class and um, every year we do kind of a a big project where the students have to use the engineering design process and document their findings. So basically they're identifying a problem and they're coming up with a solution to that problem. And there was a group of guys that just couldn't figure out a darn topic because it's a, it's a, it's a wide open, you know, they kids can do anything from, I mean, creating pop can solar heaters um, you know, rebuilding, you know, vehicles, 69 Camaros. I mean, it, it, it can be anything. And some of the projects these kiddos come up with are just, it, it's astonishing. It's awesome to see their creativity. Well, anyway, this group of guys were like, man, we can't fight, figure anything out. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm brainstorming with them. And basically my job is to facilitate, you know, I'm not going to tell them what to do, but I'm like, all right, you like to hunt. You like to hunt. You guys both like to bow hunt. I was like, all right, here's what we're going to do. You guys are going to come up with some sort of arrow fletch. Like, what do you mean? And so I had previously shot another type of arrow fletch that um goes on the back of an arrow and is held on by a knock. And I, you know, I, I went home the, the next day, got it out, brought, brought it home, brought it to their um their class and and showed it to them. And they're like, what on earth are these? So they got to look at it. And we looked at some normal fletching. So I brought in an arrow, with, obviously, without any points, any broadheads, anything like that. Um, got permission from our administration and laid them out on the table and said, all right, figure out something else that can do the same job. And they're like, they're looking at it they're like, all right. So they got excited about it and then went to work. And, you know, this company that, um, that, uh, that I had the prior fletch from, uh, I contacted them. Um, Cause I wanted to make sure that, you know, these kids had an idea with, uh, with patent information and um, they could look at some of the uh, different types of features that this patent had. Cause in that class, I'm also teaching about, Hey, if you have a product, here's a, here's a process that you can, that you can go through and potentially, you know, patent a product, an idea um, or a use, and eventually maybe market it someday. And so they were working on this thing. And th- the cool thing about that project was they actually did um, more an- analysis in their physics class. So they were doing some physics tests and, you know, calculating, you know, different uh, different types of flight patterns. And, you know, is, is it slowing down the farther down range, all that, all that stuff, spin tests. And uh, so they developed this product and it was, it was different enough from the existing product to where I was like, okay, you have a good new product now, um, now present it. So they presented it and, you know, and at the time we used a uh, 3d printer. And so the, the kids 3d printed this, this item, obviously did their testing. And, you know, I talked to them about it a little bit and around that time at the conclusion of that product project uh, I had some other kids working on, um, they were developing like the soles of a shoe like to improve the grippiness um, and the durability of it, and they're like, Mister Terry, we need this, you know, this this type of filament that's really flexible. And I'm like, ah, I don't know, guys, that's, that's expensive stuff. And they ta- eventually talked me into it, so I got this filament, and it, I I actually opened it up in the class that the the Fletch uh, group was in, and I'm so I'm I'm looking at their project, and I open up this filament because I'd never felt um, flexible filament before. And as soon as I opened that stuff, I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's, it's supple, it's stretchy. And the light bulb just went off. And so I talked to the guys and I'm like, what if we did something with this? And they're like, Oh, we're done with our project. And they said, we got, we got our grade. We're good. Um, they had been, they'd been finished with their physics project as well. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to take this further. So I, uh, I kind of took some of their design aspirations and, and made it my own, downsized it a little bit, changed some, changed some features. And if, if you guys have followed Zinger Fletches for a while, you'll know that we came out with a, uh, a cylindrical kind of airfoil design, um, which did a fantastic job um, uh, at uh, stabilizing an arrow and being super lightweight. However, it was super noisy. It was very different looking. Um, to the point where it was almost, uh, what, what the heck is that used for? And so anyway, first time I brought it home, printed it out with this flexible filament and installed it on my arrow, jump out to the archery range behind the house. And I was scared at first. I was like, I I've never shot something, you know, quite this different. Um, even though with my experience with the prior fletch, um, with the company that we had to contact. And so I shot it and I'm like, oh. That actually went where I was, where I was wanting it to go. So right away, I got on the phone with uh, Stevie and told him, and he's like, Hey, print me some. So I printed him some, gave them to him. And we were, we were testing and we were getting great results. They were just loud. Um, Then we got in contact with Brandon and uh, we're like, what should we do? So we actually started, we're like, Hey, let's just see what it's like, what what the market's like. And we, we, we posted a couple of posts and on, in Facebook and, you know, the different groups that we're in and, You know, we had some guys bite and they're like, Hey, we want, we want to try these things. So we sold a few, um, a handful of dozen and the feedback was really good. Noise was the, was the concern. And so Brandon and Steve are looking at this thing. They're like, man, that thing looks way too different. And they're like, why don't we just make it a little bit more traditional? So we got rid of the airfoil. So the cylindrical design around, um, around the the original zinger. And so, I mean, obviously you guys know what it looks like now. Um, and so we started shooting that and we had the same results. However, it was much quieter. All right. Um, but not quite enough. And that was due to the square back kind of, um, I don't know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't filleted on the, on the end of the fletch. So it was square backed. We got good stabilization, but it was still noisier than your average fletch, like a blazer or fusion veins, et cetera. And so we, we marketed that version with the feedback we got, we kind of did some modifications and we were, we were t- trying stuff. We're, we're changing a bunch of, you know, different designs and angles and fillets. And well, eventually we ended up um, rounding it off and we were getting really good test results with decibels and, you know, comparative to, you know, your standard fletches and in some cases, even quieter, depending on the uh, degree offset. So that's kind of how we, we settled on our current Zinger model is just basically through uh, our customer feedback. we, if you're in tune with your customers, you're going to have a successful product. Pretty much with whatever you sell, and we're never we're never against modifying or coming up with new ideas if it makes sense, um, both business and performance wise. Um, and to this to this day, we've had really good success and results with our 2.0 Zinger model. Um, but as Adam knows, that we are always testing new things, and we do have a 3.0 model that we're we're in the testing phases with. Um, and we, we've probably given and, and dished out probably, uh, oh, probably 10 dozen or so, 12 dozen out to different guys here and there, and they're testing them. And the, the drawback, one thing that makes Zingers unique is the, how lightweight they are. And in terms of arrow flight or any projectile flight, um, rock model rockets, et cetera, um, the benefits of having lightweight on the end of your arrow away from the point, it's going to increase your center of pressure. Um, and if you listen to, um, ranch Ferry, um, whether, whether you, uh, you're turned off by him, you like him, you're, you're, you're a ranch Ferry guy. Um, there's a, a really smart man that he hangs out with, um, Daryl Barnett, and he actually reached out to to us. And I got a few opportunities to talk to him on his, on the phone, um, kind of, kind of pick his brain a little bit. And, uh, he actually shoots zingers, um, out of his, uh, air gun, um, and, uh, It's uh, the feedback from him was really good, obviously, him being a a previous NASA guy engineer. Um, So that was that was like a a moment where it was like, man, you have this really smart guy that's been in the industry, in the industry that we're with flying projectiles saying, hey, your product is really cool. That was the moment that I was like, man, we might have something here. Um, So uh, here we are today. Uh, it's kind of, it's very humbling. Um, it's really neat to see, I, as you, as you heard earlier, when, when Steve had that success, I got j- probably just as excited as he did. Um, and every picture that we get sent to us, he's like, no, every picture we get success picture we get, whether it's an animal, whether it's a, a 3d tournament. Um, it's just one of those things like, man, we had a part in that hunter's memories, that target archer's success. Um, it's just, it's a cool feeling when we weren't motivated, we were not motiv- motivated, by, um, obviously fame or fortune. Um, it was more or less like, let's just create something that's useful. That's cool. That we want to use just because it's different and it's turned into something pretty neat. So <clears throat> what's funny is the first set of
5: zingers that, adam shot i called them singers because they were so loud <laughs> um so what is your i mean obviously you're doing testing but like what was the uh, decibel on the first one and to the the second version what's the have you
2: had it? so when we did when we did our decibel test um we basically got a decibel meter um put it down range and there's so many variables that come into play there right. because if you're if you're an inch off in, in your aero flight away from that decibel meter you're going to get a reading that's not as accurate as the maybe the shot before so and and you can watch videos with guys that are doing decibel readings and you're d- in, and literally have a, a mic nearby i i would almost say listening to a mic is more accurate than um listening or looking at a decibel reader when it comes to that with with what we have access to now there there's obviously some machinery out there that would definitely benefit us in that scenario um but at this point we're not there yet um and i would when we did our testing i i shot them side by side and the 2.0 model was about 6 decibels less than our 1.0 model which is which is if you're looking at decibels pretty pretty significant mm-hmm. Um, we've also had some guys on YouTube that have you know have reached out. Hey, we want to shoot your fletching. We want to do a noise test. So we got guys out there that are shooting our fletches next to, you know, the QT, Any fletch on the market, and you know you can listen and you can sometimes with the human ear you can tell a difference. Um, the other aspect is that a lot of people don't think about is the offset or helical orientation of the fletch. Um, and typically, the more, the greater the offset or helical, you're going to get more resistance. So you're going to hear that. Right. Um, and the greater the offset, typically the surface area as well. You're going to have more stabilization. So it's almost like you got to find that perfect combination of surface area with the or, with the uh, offset or helical. And I I think we're close um, with what we have. It's it's working for a lot of people. I got it's cool because like today we just. I got an Instagram message from a guy from – oh, gosh, where was he? Maybe Arizona. Um, Shot a bull at like 82 yards, and he had a video with it. He was wearing a video. I don't know if it was a headset or a body cam, but it was so cool to watch this bull. I mean, you could just barely see him 82 yards with this little contraption he was wearing. But just to watch that arrow, just go across the canyon and just leave its mark, and he had success picture. It's just cool. I I love being a part of – you know, the success of, of a fellow hunter. So with the
1: decibel testing, the noise factor, like we were talking about this. I don't know if we did it on a podcast or we did it uh, just talking together, but like, um, you know, Kyle has those uh, super stealth veins or whatever they're super sabers or something. And there is a point where there's, statistically significant and clinically significant in medicine, right? So like if it was, you know, that might be 600% quieter, but to your ear, to a deer's ear, there has to be like a point where it's, it doesn't matter anymore. So are you going to spend, you know, thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars Is it going to, is that going to sell more zingers or
2: whatever? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And right now we're basically going off of like some anecdotal evidence, you know, we're hearing from our customers and, you know, and we're, and we're making some modifications here and there, but when we're getting the success that we're getting, it's almost like that feedback mechanism. Like, okay, let's keep doing what we're doing. Um, But uh, yeah, I, I would agree with you. Like, where do you draw the line? How much money do we want? want to invest in that type of you know scientific experiment um and i'm one of those guys as well and and some of you guys might relate if it works be happy with it but from an engineering standpoint like my brain it can always be improved there's something that we can do and tinker and tweak um and that's kind of you know and it's one of those things like i i you could probably tell with me talking i have like add i can't sit still i got i got my mind's always going um, so I think it fits my, my personality. Um, and you know, the funny, yeah. Anyway. So like my, my hang
5: up with like, I mean, we have a conversation about sound and all, you know, like everyone's trying to get their bow quiet. Well, for one, you're never going to get a bow quiet enough because the sound, the speed of sound is what you're, you're never going to overcome that with an arrow. But what you do here, like. Like he said, when he shot that buck, it ducked right thirty yards. Obviously, he was on edge or whatever he had been fighting with that other buck. But thirty yards, he probably heard the bow. But also, like my my thought pattern on those, like he's hearing that arrow coming at him. You know, he's gonna hear that. You like a limb drops from a tree that's thirty yards away, or a squirrel drops a nut, whatever. That happens all the time, but something coming at you, whistling or, you know, making some noise is going to be a reaction. So Mm -hmm. that's, I mean, like when I'm going through my, like when we had Kyle, Kyle's first podcast, his first podcast, he was like getting into building arrows and he was using the blazers, which I absolutely hate blazers. You know, they're like everyone shoots them, but if you stand down range and you listen just with your, your ear, you can hear the difference. And then you hear like a max stealth and it's like 10 times quieter. So it's like, that. that's where my hang up with loud fletchings or, you know, but that's why like when he first had the singers, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, then the new version is much quieter. Like, you know, we're, and they fly great. Like when we go up to Toll Archer Challenge, we're shooting out to like 127 yards. I'm like, "Yeah, you're gonna have fun with those." And he's just, you know, dropping them in. I'm like, "Okay,
2: they're accurate, <laughs> and now they're yeah, quieter." No, so, another cool yeah. thing about yeah, the Toll Archer Challenge is awesome. And anybody that's listening, you guys got to jump into that. I mean, you got to try it. It is, it is a great time. Grab some buddies and just, you know, go camping for the weekend and and hit the ranges um, it is an absolute blast. I remember the first time we did it, um, we didn't really know what to expect. You know, I would, we're we're YouTube and, you know, Hey, how do you prepare for this? What, what should you take? And, you know, you you almost just got to go do it to experience it. Make sure you got some, you know, comfy boots and you're, you're in decent shape. You can go up and down dunes or hills. And, but yeah, the experience there has been awesome. And we had a booth there last year And the nice placement was we were right at the range (laughs) and being at the range. I mean, to have a product like Zinger sitting out there with guys that are just absolute diehards. In fact, you'll talk to, you know, different guys that are in the podcast world or, you know, in in the industry. Supposedly, I guess, Michigan. um, And I've heard this from a number of people. um, Michigan has some diehard archers, um, absolute diehard guys, um, even compared to, you know, places like Pennsylvania um, and even out West, but we're at this, uh, this range and we, we were like, you know what? Anybody that wants to try these, they can try them. So, you know, I remember the first guy comes up, he's like, Hey, I really want to try these. I've been watching them. I've been, you know, watching these YouTube videos. So we brought this little, uh, potato peeler, right. It was a little alligator potato peeler, um, to remove fletching, um, almost like, uh, as a joke kind of, um, but this guy, you know, we had it out sitting there and he's like, all right, I'll do it. So he starts peeling it and he's like, here, you do it. So I I took his arrow off over the garbage, peeled off his fletches, slapped it on a zinger. um, And he goes down to the range and shoots. Five minutes later, he's like, hey, I'm I'm getting I'm getting a dozen. (laughs) You know, that happened 12 to 15 times. I don't remember the exact number. Every single person that tried our product, the zinger, um, they end up coming back and and purchasing. Um, It's one of those things where it's almost like you got to try. Because when you look at it, I'll be honest, from, you know, the engineering, you know, mindset. Gosh, that thing's small. I, that is not, there is no way that's going to help stabilize an arrow. But when you actually give it to an archer, they try it and they're like, holy smokes. I mean, we had guys that were selling them for us. You know, they try them and they get they get their dozen and they'd go, you guys got to check this out. These things, I can't believe these are crazy. <laughs> um, and it was just a cool, another cool opportunity to kind of see, um, our you know a customer a, a few a, a, another fellow hunter archer just get excited about something that we had we had our hands on yeah
5: actually someone come up to us like at the
2: yeah well because
1: like they said like i had the three point 3.0s there there's still one up in tree out there so if anybody <laughs> wants to see that at the top of one of the bills display model <laughs> yeah, right, right. yeah it, it's out there it was too high to get down
5: well that was the other funny thing like so adam rolls up there with a brand new box of raw shafts and like the second the second course we shot he tried the our shop bow and he's literally like a foot
6: left like just this upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Takovis is your stop for the best in western style Takovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer including men's and women's boots apparel hats bags and more
5: lost almost all of his arrows
1: so he gets back he's like yeah i gotta fletch up some arrows (laughs) 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 yeah it was not a big deal and you know and john his group you know with his brother they they had done that with regular fletchings you know the first year we were up there and they're shooting them and the fletchings are flying off and all sorts of shit it was just a disaster but yeah so Mine i weren't flying on um, no my brothers and, and those guys. Like. <laughs> but i had the the 3.0s and people are coming up looking in my backpack and they're going where'd you get those like what's up with that ones you know I Th- didn't see any orange ones and like well, those are different you know the actually the guy from the kafaru booth like i walked God. by and he stopped me and he's oh, like jody. hey <laughs> hey it was j- <laughs> yeah jody yeah he's like He's like, I need some of those. I'm like, yeah, well, you got to know somebody, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so, like, that total archery challenge is super cool. And like to John's point, you know, they fly incredible. And like, I, I didn't, I, I did shoot terribly on the one course this year with a different bow, but it was, I think it was the year prior. I think it was last year when I was shooting just as well as you, or or pretty close, and. Out to distance, and he's like looking at me sideways. Like, what's was going like, on? Yeah. It wasn't. It, it, that's not to say that you know the zingers made me do it, but they didn't hinder my shooting. No, maybe they put me on target a little better. I don't know, but but um, but yeah. So then we were down at the Mobile Hunters Expo, and uh, Steve was doing an excellent job, and even was like showing me different stuff about uh running them with a wrap and not having them pop off and like you they're like almost impossible to get off when you put them on with a wrap and i'm like oh hold up. you know whatever and uh you know he's saying giving it to the biggest guy that walk everybody that walks by is hitting him with air hey take this off of there for me would you like hey hey pull this off i'll give you 10 bucks if you can pull this off <laughs> like nope no no takers so yeah it is, it is it is crazy paired with
3: a wrap how how well they stick and you know a lot of people I get messages all the time. It's like, hey, if I want a more permanent fixture, I don't want these popping off. What do I do? Well, you know, you got a couple options. You could pair it with a wrap. You don't want to use a wrap. You don't want to add that extra weight to the back. You know, some guys are more worried about the FOC and, you know, getting that exact percentage that you're looking at. You know, simply add a couple dabs of glue like you would with your normal fletch. You know, get it set where you want it. Shoot it a few times you like where it's at add a couple dabs of glue. You don't want that. You could just do a strip, just a small little strip behind the zinger. That's going to, that's going to stop that zinger from, from popping off upon pass through.
2: Now me personally, I like that feature. Um, so like Steve was explaining earlier with that buck coming in, um, I get amped up as well. I get excited. And in that moment, you know, everything's happening at once. You're trying to slow everything down. Um, sometimes that sometimes you have the ability to do that most of the time, uh, at least I don't. Uh <laughs> so when you're in that moment, you make that shot and everything happens, he or she runs off. You're trying to track you're you're looking at that last tree where they went past, and then you're like, Oh crap, where were they? Right. You have a general idea. Um, so the nice thing about when they do slide off is I have a reference point now where I can look blood okay um now the drawback of that is you lose the product right and some of the guys are like i don't want to lose that so like steve said throw some dabs of glue so it's one of those things where you don't need glue but you can still use glue you don't need a wrap but you can still use a wrap if you wish and then down there at the
1: the expo you guys had some arrows down there and you're like hey what do you think of these what do you think of these oh these are coming so now you've you've entered into the uh the arrow game even if it's you know still maybe in the works or work in progress so um what can you tell us about that side and and to be honest with you it's interesting because i feel like um there's a lot of people which i'm surprised that are like now we're just going to start doing arrows. We're going to start doing arrows like that don't have anything to do with arrows other than they're in the hunting business. I think it's a logical step for you guys because, you know, there's, there's guys who just would rather order a set of arrows. And that's one of the things I talked to Steve about when we were down there, I was like, I got a question for you. You know, what's the reason like, Oh, these are so great. These are great for guys who don't like to fletch arrows. Like, what why wouldn't you just buy a fletched arrow <laughs> like so you know so now you can get a in a, a, a custom arrow with zingers on them but but talk to us a little bit about the arrows and the process that went into that
2: there's a there's a story of, of the why so we're at these shows and are supplier you kind of market a product that goes on an arrow and we got these guys and gals coming by and they're like, "Well, we're thinking about making a switch and you know, I don't know what to go with yet because I want to go heavier. I have this heavier last year. I didn't like how slow it was. I want to go, you know, I want to go a little lighter." So, and they didn't have that um that product there. So, we're talking on the way home from one of these shows and we're like, "Guys, you know, there's should we, you know, should we reach out to another company and kind of carry their their shafts and you know, we're we're talking about this and and we're like, No, we're like, why don't we, with, with, with our product, why don't we do some research, do some testing and find, you know, with our experience, what that, you know, that perfect balance of a good ethical hunting arrow is. And so we, we dabbled here and there, and we came up with uh, um, two different models. And the way we came about that is we asked, we asked our, our people. And we asked, Hey, what kind of arrow shaft are you guys looking for? What do you prefer? What do you prefer? Total arrow weight, you know, percent FOC. Um, are you, is it more used for target or 3d or hunting? And we just kind of did some market research there with, you know, uh, whether you're the guys that are following zingers, zinger slingers um, as well as the bow league. And so we did some talking and we uh, came up with a plan. So we kind of have, two different models that um, satiate both. So we have a a lighter weight model and we have a heavier weight model because it was literally split with our, with our research right down the middle. Half the guys want to go heavy. Half the guys want to stay light. Um, So we wanted to, we wanted to kind of, you know, fancy everybody's needs and kind of come up with, you know, the best of both worlds. So I know John had, when I was, he's like,
1: Oh yeah, they got arrows. I want to, I want to know. So fire away with your, no, I was just,
5: like are they? Uh, so the heavy wall micro diameter. I mean, like, what what are some of the specs on them?
2: So that's another question we asked when we were kind of you know getting our feelers out there. Is what aerodynamic diameter does everybody kind of you know what, what do you like? And and we asked them why. And the majority of people again, it was more focused towards smaller diameter. Um, and while at the same time, a lot of people that hunt, they want to use, you know, lighted knocks. Okay. And, you know, you guys being in the hunting industry, you, you hunt for a while, a lot of the smaller diameter, the, the one, 0.166 arrows, um, lighted knocks quality, lighted knocks are hard to come by, um, for that size. And so we're like, you know what, let's, let's go up a little bit. Um, and with our history, we've shot different shafts and we kind of had, you know, our, our likes and dislikes. And, um, we kind of settled at the two Oh four, um, because it's kind of a happy medium and it's, it's, it's going to meet most of our customers needs. Um, whether they want to light knock or not, and whether or not they want to be kind of in the smaller diameter range. Cool.
1: And then what's the, I was trying to explain to John when I was, when I'd seen him like, um, there's different processes for making carbon arrows, right? So there's like the ones that have the fibers where you can see them. I was saying like the dual wraps. Yeah. Yeah. And then they extruded and all the other things. So like, what do you guys have? And then what are you looking at for, you know, grains per inch and spines that you have available
2: and straightness, all that sort of stuff. So our, our heavier models our M ones. Um, and the M is basically for momentum. Um, Our M ones are going to be a little heavier. And I'll just give you an example for our 300 spine. I would say that's probably where most people fall. Um, But a 300 spine is going to come in at about 10.5 GPI. So grains per inch. And our diameter is going to be about 272. Okay. 0.272. So that's our momentum, our M one arrow, and it's got a 3k carbon weave. Okay. And carbon weave, what it really does, it kind of, it kind of helps if, if you ever do have a, a shaft break, whether it's in an animal, um, whether you damaged it while you were 3D shooting, um, it's not going to splinter as much. And it gives the arrow a little bit more torsion strength as well. Um, our K1 or kinetic, so our K1 um, in our 300 spine is going to come in at about 8.5, 8.6. Um, it's like 8.56 uh, GPI. And, uh, our OD on that one's going to be about like 0.262. Uh, so you can probably, I mean, our M one is very similar build and makeup to that of, um, probably one of the most, uh, popular hunting arrows on the market, similar to the Eastern axis. And our K one is going to be very, very similar to that of let's say a black Eagle rampage. And then for
1: your, uh, John knows more about the diameters and stuff. I just order arrows and the components.
2: <laughs> Whatever.
1: You guys send me zingers. I put them together. Um that's 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 the way that I go about it. But like for front end components, like what is that
2: composed of? All right. I'll keep going. <laughs> um so we uh one of our one of our big pushes um as a small American company is to try to keep it here. And w- one of the issues we had is we had to source our carbon um, from overseas. We made some contacts with some. US base. Um, obviously us being a small company weren't we weren't able to break through that barrier, that wall um, to get a deal made. Um, so we had to source for our, our carbon. Um, but our components uh, we have used in the past and have been very satisfied with ethics, our tree components. And we really like, uh, uh, the way they function, the ease of installation, um, and obviously, um, how, um, how consistent their products are and our outsert system. So it's a collar and then we have a post. So our post for both models is going to be composed of aluminum and, um, it's, it'd be easy to show you. It's hard to explain, but um, you can obviously go to their web website. But the, the there's a post that goes mostly inside of the arrow, and there's about an eighth of an inch that sticks outside of the arrow, eighth of an inch to a quarter of an inch. And that really creates some strength up front. It adds a little bit extra weight. Um, and we also utilize their collar system. And we chose to go with a, a stainless steel collar which really gives the front end of the arrow, a lot of strength, as well as some added weight um, for those that want to build up, you know, their FOC or front of center. And obviously with our, with our style of fletch, it does have a, um, a smaller surface area. So the more FOC that we can get while staying within spine um, the more, the, the better and um, the better function our projectile has in flight due to the location of front of center and the, center of pressure so ethics archery we, we we've we been very satisfied with um their components and uh, we look forward to kind of um maybe reaching out and doing some modifications we'll, we'll, who knows what we'll come up with here in the near future well i mean you're, you're the arrow guy i'm just a...
5: no it all sounds good i mean you know as long as they're not like the ethics that was <laughs> the problem with the, the vector arrows but I think they've got that straightened out anyway, but Yeah, we heard, tolerances heard some horror are stories good. with that. Yeah. yeah. Um,
2: we did some testing too. And you know how you've seen the videos of people shooting into cinder blocks and whatnot, right? Um, and I know it's not a deer, uh, but it's one of those it's one of those talking points. It's one of those things that you can, you know, you can physically see the effect of. So we wanted something a little harder. So we were getting um um bricks. So bricks are a lot more dense. Um, they're not as airy as a cinder block, which is going to accept uh, an impact a lot easier. Um, so we were using bricks, and we were shooting bricks with uh, with both arrows, and we were we were breaking bricks with them. <laughs> nice.
1: So, wh- where are you guys at with those? I know we talked a little bit before the podcast, and you're like, "Yeah, we can talk about them. We're doing this. We're doing this. We're switching some things up, or or whatever."
4: We're just oh. in the testing phases right now.
1: Okay. We're, we're
4: sending things out, letting guys shoot them, letting guys test them, giving us feedback. Um, we don't want to jump into it. We don't want to get too crazy. We want to make sure we have the product figured out <clears throat> before we really release it.
1: And I can imagine, I mean, I guess just from from saying that and, and you know, Brandon saying, you know, we don't want to jump into it or whatever, I... I would imagine, and, and I, I don't know for sure, but there may be like a lot more liability with an arrow versus a fletching. Like if these arrows start exploding in people's hands and stuff, you know, so how, how have you guys like dealt with that? Cause probably from a fletching side, not, not too much concerned cause it's just a component
2: on some, somebody else's product. Right. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things uh, that we're going to do first off the the release, um, we're going to get our feedback from um, our field testers, and what we're what we're hoping to do um, is to make them available during the show season. So we'll have them at these shows for people that are looking, um, and then uh, our goal is sometime in the spring to to basically be a kind of a one stop shop for your arrows custom. Um, So draw weight, you know, draw length and kind of pick whatever you want, the K1, M1, and it'll be a direct to consumer type type deal. Um, Obviously, we're going to do a bunch of how to videos, safety videos, um, and basically just to ensure proper use. And we're going to emphasize every time you shoot an arrow, you know, flex it a little bit. While you're waiting your turn, if you're shooting with a group of guys, just double check and, and and just get in the habit of doing that because the last thing you want to do when you're you're partaking in a in a hobby like that is to you know send carbon through your hand. We've all seen those pictures and uh, those aren't pretty. Um, but yeah, safety obviously is a, a number one priority with pretty much any product that you're we're going to want to use. All right, uh, I mean,
1: it kind of goes through everything. Uh, anything else you guys got on the in the works? I mean. Brandon, you've been kind of quiet. What's uh, what's on your radar for hunts this year?
4: You know, I just print zingers. I sit in the garage and just print <laughs> zingers. That's what I do,
2: I work on printers, and that's it. So, uh, Brandon, Brandon, Brandon may be quiet and kind of under the radar, but I I will say this: um, the the reason that our current zinger model. Um, looks and feels the way it does with such fine lines. We've even had people think that they're uh, they're injection molded. Um, the reason they're like that is because of that guy right there, he's he's very particular and he's good, he's good at what he does. What do you do for your day job, Brandon? I'm a commercial
4: HVAC service technician. Uh, he's, so, he's we do he, a lot of big, a lot of school work, a lot of big coolers, freezers, boilers stuff, but yeah we got started with these printers and it was, I took it probably too far, but you know, that's where we are now is I would tear them down and figure out what made them click. And we bought some different components for it. And I rewired an entire printer without a diagram. I asked the company to send me something. No, you just got to figure it out. So we did. (laughs) Brian made me some molds to mount the head. I mean, it, it got pretty elaborate, but we've, we've got the printers, to do a really good job now. and
2: Yeah. And, and the thing about it is with the material that we're using, um, you know, a lot of there's 3d printers everywhere, you know, and a lot of guys, you know, they may attempt to, you know, make their own fletch and have some success. Um, but with the trial and error and the, you know, the, the modifications that we've done physically to our machines to allow them to print the, the, the way they do um, it, you're going to be hard pressed to find a, a over the counter product. That's going to do that for you. So, how many printers are you maintaining, Brandon?
4: Uh, I run ten at my location,
2: and then and I, I have two on two on backup. So yeah, I got I remember. got nine. So I mean, <clears throat> any I mean, we can if we wanted to burn them up. I mean, we could we could process some zingers. Now, for for you listeners out there, or you zinger slingers out there, it, it takes uh, a decent amount of time per zinger. Um, where was the last number at, Brandon? Uh from from your recollection. Uh 15 minutes, 14 to 15 minutes of fletch. Per fletch. So when you think about that, and you know, yes, they're you know, they're 350 a piece. Um, but you gotta think about this. It takes 15 minutes to make that product, and we have a lifetime replacement guarantee. So if you damage it anyway, whether it's your fault or not, um, we will replace that. And as far as as far as we know, we're the only fletching company that that does that um probably a terrible business model idea but um i I think it's important that you know we stand by what we produce and i i I think it's important um and we need to be proud of that and Steve, how many
1: printers do you have? Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like- it's kind of like hunting spots like they're all Brian's if we're going to add them all up at one time,
3: I would, I would put it somewhere around zero, but you know, I keep telling them like, Hey guys, I'll take the printers. Like if you guys wanted to do the customer service uh-huh. and ain't nobody jumping on that.
2: So it's funny. Cause like if, if, if Steve's on vacation, um, Brandon usually kind of fills that void and Brandon's like, there's no way I ever want to switch with you Steve <laughs> um oh, well, no we lo- we love we our hear. customers but I mean it, it is it is sometimes comical uh some of the some of the questions and um but you know we're them they're us uh we've been down that road before with different products so so we get it yeah but, yeah it, I, I tip my hat to those, Steve
3: yeah it's one of those things like it, it is a different product so you get different questions I mean you know you get you get people that don't understand, and just trying to explain to them the concept of it, and you know, a lot of, a lot of the stuff in the archery industry isn't based on outside diameter. You know, it's all inside diameter. Right. So so when somebody's placing an order, they're looking at oh no this is a this is a, you know a what whatever inside diameter uh. Area. No, that no 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 Yeah it is. No it's really not. <laughs> you know it's like just trying just trying to you know talk everybody through it it's like hey you need this size. No I, I placed the right size. I uh, well you know you you didn't but we'll, we'll, we'll make hey, it right. We'll make it the right. We'll make cus- the right. The
2: customer option. is always right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, that's that's false. <laughs> so so with the time that's printed and everything, now I understand why Steve's like stop telling people that just to have them make the 3.0s because <laughs> we don't have those. And I'm like, "Well, they're awesome. They're way better. Like I love those. I like the shape of them. I like everything about them. The 3.0s
3: have have been have been very well. Like we're still we're still testing. We're still testing. <laughs> But so honestly, what, honestly, Adam, like I get more requests like, Hey, Hey, uh, Hey, I heard about, heard about these 3.0s from, from bow hunting chronicles. Where are we at with those? <laughs> <laughs> I, get that. I I would say probably 15 times I've gotten it so far. Like, Hey man, you know, when are these 3.0s coming out? And I'm like, ah, well, you know, we're still in the testing phase. Do you need any testers? <laughs> <laughs> Well, so yeah, no, honestly, honestly, Adam, like really though, like we, we do appreciate how much you do, you know, you, you guys use it, you back our product. Like we, we really do appreciate being a small business, you know, us three, we all have regular jobs just like you do and, you know, do this, do this hunting stuff, you know, for fun on the side. And, you know, we really do appreciate the, you know, kind of little partnership we do have.
1: Well, and it's like I tell people when I when somebody asks me about them, I I tell them that specifically because I'm like, even if you don't get them, they're going to know where it came from. And I'm like, I don't get any kickback off of this or anything, but I'm just (laughs) telling you that they know that I'm doing my part over here. (laughs) Literally getting (laughs) you are Unpaid. Just, just a pet, I know. I even got, I got it. Frank telling me like those aren't gonna steer a broadhead. There's no way. John's like those these things. Are, they're so loud. Like this, that, and the other thing. Like from the beginning, and so like I'm taking it from all sides over here.
5: But I was gonna the turkey one. I was gonna use that this year, but the bow we had to use a rest that it wouldn't fly out of. Yeah, um, it wasn't. It wasn't your like I normally shoot a six fletch. But the rest that we had on the on the shop bow, you could only shoot a three fletch, and it just wouldn't front. clear.
1: It, it, and it still won't even clear. I mean, the yeah, it's just uh, doesn't it doesn't, the- <laughs> doesn't fit our needs. That rest doesn't. Were, so. were, were you trying to chop some heads, John? Yes. He yeah. he he Did has a- get a. I know Adam
3: missed, but...
1: No, I killed... Well, I <laughs> killed one with a field point, damn it. <laughs> but that's a whole other story for the patrons <laughs> only. Um, But John hit this turkey in the head with the shaft with a Magnus bullhead yeah. on it.
5: So the... 125
1: grain, the big one. This yep. giant freaking thing. Yep.
5: Because I did everything I could to try to get that... I mean those those bullheads, I mean they're great like any of those guillotine heads style heads, you know, they they're just they're hard to, to get to fly straight. 20, 20,
3: 25 yards max. Oh
5: yeah. Like fifteen yards is like like our cutoff. Like and this bird ended up being like sixteen yards and with this rest I was dealing with, like I ended up I cut all my my I have three arrows just for turkey, and they usually have the five-inch fusion veins, six-fletch, and like out of my – like, so two years ago, I killed a a good tom, shot him in the head and like, you know, cut his throat, didn't lop it off, but I had him shooting great out of that bow, and that was my – actually, it was my white target bow, 60 pounds. Well, this bow, 60 pounds, but the rest, like I said – we we couldn't. I could only use a three fletch cock feather down, and it was just terrible. Like I'm doing everything. Like that's why Adam was shooting so bad with the. He ended up just swapping out uh, the sight on it, and he brought it to tack. And I'm like,
1: dude, there's no way you're gonna shoot that bow. I didn't take into consideration that he like untuned this bow for these <laughs> yeah things. You know, I swapped out the sight. I shot it at home, and I was like, I was exactly what i was when i was a kid like pie played accurate and i shot and i shot like one of the 40 yard courses so i'm like i'm like oh the you know it's total archer challenge big target no it's 40 yards on a freaking like mini chipmunk target or something (laughs) like first first (laughs) shot on
5: that course is like foot and a half left like through the trees like where'd that go i'm like way left so he does a couple clicks it was like a foot three inches left <laughs> like no dude
1: this,
5: you, you're not so that's where like he's just donating arrows finally i think
1: you stopped after like yeah well we had a, this giant party like it was all a lot of patrons and you know we we're just, we were just having fun i mean there were so many laughs 15 like, people in the group <laughs> chris <laughs> stepped in human crap like somebody crapped right next to one of the cones <laughs> Somebody pooped on yes. the yeah oh yeah like like you walked around the
5: target the post and it was like Bird's like, Oh he
1: almost stepped in. Yeah. He didn't quite so oh. so so by the sixth, eighth target or whatever, I mean it's like Sparta. There's a hundred guys lined up to shoot, people are passing us and whatnot. I'm
5: shooting through the like some <laughs> blind shots through the
1: crotch of a tree. So I'm just in the back. I'm not even shooting anymore. I'm not and John he picked up on it after a couple of shots, but I was just sitting there like just part of the group. I was just part of the camp, you know. But But yeah, so I had the, I
5: mean, I had that bow tuned all, you know, crazy. And so at 10 yards, I was, I, what I do is take an old pillow, sweatshirt.
0: Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal, develop high quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know, our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com
5: Put a mark on it, hang it from a tree, and then just start sighting it in. And 10 yards, I got to the point where I'd hit it right in the, on the money. Go back 15, and I actually cut the armpit out. So they, they just kept going up and out up high right. And so I went back, did some more stuff to it, and I got it right. I'm like, well, it's good enough for 10, possibly 15. And I had these there was like five Jakes come in. And my wife was filming for me, which she never that's the first time she's ever gone hunting. She doesn't, she won't eat deer meat, you know, like and but turkeys, ah, eh, they're ugly. I'll I can come watch. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> And uh, she actually did a really good job filming, but I'm like, I don't want to shoot a Jake. You know, it was like a, my first morning. And, uh, they came in, they went back out, they come back. I'm like, they come in again, I'm going to shoot one of them. So they come in as a group. And then I'm like, there was no way I was going to draw back. There were like seven yards. And are, then you they, are
3: you open at this point, or are you in a blind?
5: We're in a blind. Okay. Yeah. We had a pop-up blind and, uh, so they start kind of filtering back out, and then one of them turned and come back well, t- actually two turned, and like they're just fiddle fucking around, turn, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna shoot the one on the left, the middle left, and so I draw back and I'm like completely calm no I mean, and I'm just holding on and I go to my I get to my click, and I'm just got it right on it, shot breaks, and the arrow goes and skips I see the green fletch skip off his head like and the arrow goes flying up and I'm like what the how did that and then I ranged it it ended up being 16 yards but in the film you can see the arrow comes out of my bow at you know downward angle and then hits the top that bird's head and deflects and goes up I'm like how did one of those blades not hit that you know cut his head off yeah. Do that
2: again, if you tried, right? Wow. Like,
5: <laughs> wow. So, I hit him. I mean, <laughs> he's just he got a haircut. So
3: you're using those? Are you aiming right at the right at the base?
5: I'm aiming like right at the middle of his head, like neck. Oh, okay. So if I'm a little high, a little low, yeah, I'm still like the bird. The big bird I shot, he was at full stra. I'd been at like full draw for was, over a minute. Yeah, over a minute because we had three big toms come <laughs> in. And so I'm just like – and then this was like during COVID, like when COVID first hit. So we're in two different tents. I'm in a
1: different tent filming them.
5: <laughs> I'm in my own tent, and then our callers are spread apart 10 yards behind us. You know, so it's like – Safety first. And, uh, <laughs> the birds come in, and they start – they get right on our decoys, and I'm, I'm thinking, oh, shit, which one is Adam on? Like, you know, we can't <laughs> – no yeah. communication. So finally – I I get on the big one on the right, and he ends up, like, turning around, and he starts, to, you know, like, full strut, and I shot, and it went a little, it was, like, a little bit low, and it hit, and it knocked the bird up and over, like, oh. just flipped him over, and, and, like, when we're doing it, like, frame by frame, you can see that arrow hits, and it, like, does an S, like, I don't know how it didn't, like, snap in half, but... It when it hit his neck, it broke the blade off, and then it went through, and then like shaved his back, and then he ran. He ran around, it. and we're pretty close to like a resident residential area, so my backup arrow was like a shred head, the dirt nap shred head, and he just he like kind of goes over about twenty five yards and circles over, and he's just kind of standing there. Well, I you know I couldn't tell what what he was doing, but. I get another arrow in, and I get drawn back, and I pop out, and and those green six fletch man looks like a golf ball, and it's like you know ten ring, but and Adam got it all on film. It was pretty cool, but pretty awesome. But in awesome. the one in the slow motion part of it, or like when we're doing frame by frame, you can just see the the blood just just gushing out. He
1: was dying, but
3: so he wasn't going to go much longer. No, no. Way. Yeah.
1: No, and it that and you know then the turkey runs off and John goes out there and gets him, and it was a blood trail like you'd see from like a a deer like sprayed just yeah, like I mean just... like gallons of blood, like it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah.
5: Then I come back and like I'm
1: like in the my hands are full of blood like it was, it was uh, unnecessary. Yeah. A little but, brutal. But yeah. So 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 next year we, we I mean we still got those. Still yeah.
5: Get- so that's the thing. Like my. I only ended up fletching up one. So then, after all, like after I hit that bird, then I took Adam's flu flu arrows that I built them last year for his longbow. And then I cut those down to about three inches and then shaped them and got those to fly out of that rest. That Those flew the best, just, you know, because they're folding back kind of. And it was this. Yeah. But yeah, like it'd be a good rest for like corn stalking or, or if you're going to do some stalking, but.
1: Yeah. For what we were doing, it wasn't, no, wasn't ideal. What Was it like a full capture rest?
5: Yeah. yeah. It's a V shape. Then you actually cock it, push a pin in and it stays cocked. And that was the other thing too. The, the brace height on that bow is a little short. And so with them long veins, they were actually getting clamped into the rest.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, we we're we we're battling our equipment at that point. <laughs> I
5: was might might have cursed Adam a few times.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it that that's where I take all the the lashings. Like, hey, we're doing this. Hey, we're doing well, well, well. zinker's do like, this like, shit. Zinger. For? <laughs> what got to talk to these zinger guys. <laughs> I've never said that. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. But <clears throat> No, oh, man, it's, it's fun. I, I'm glad that we finally got to do this. Cause like I said, I, we talked 150,000 times and like, I always text Steve like, cause honestly, like with the, uh, the companies that we work with and stuff for the Patreons and stuff, like literally one day Steve's like, Hey, do you want to give away some zingers? I'm like, all right. And I just keep giving them away and I don't even ask anymore. I'm like, I'm like, yep. Here's another set. Here's another set. Like, <laughs> Adam, you, you just
3: heard earlier. Like, I don't have to print them.
1: It's like, <laughs> right, yeah, it's, it's easy dude, for him
4: to just
3: tell yeah, people. Yeah. we'll we'll take care
1: of it. Like
3: I will put the little monkeys
1: to work. <laughs> <laughs> my goodness. Now so we're just trying to get them speed, in, in as careful. many people's
2: hands that we can, you know, yeah. and it's just, you know, one buddy shoots it, they show their other buddy and it just kind of spread. And it's cool to go to these shows for like, you know, we were in Wisconsin and we were across Wisconsin six months later and the same guys come up and they just, you know, they shoot the shit with you and, you know, they, they've, they got their buddies to, to shoot our product and use our product. It's just, you know, going back to that camaraderie thing, you know, it's just good to run into the same kind of dudes and, you know, like uh, us running into each other at TAC. It's just, it's a cool thing to be a part of. Yeah, hundred percent,
1: and like, like I say, I, r- I really appreciate it, and I like the the relationship. So,
5: I'm gonna go one at a time. What are your guys bow setups like? What bows are you shooting? Sights, obviously zingers, but
2: let the killer go first, Steve. Oh, go ahead, Steve. Oh, nope. <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> when? Um. What, well, what, what 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 bow did Brian set up for you?
4: so <laughs> that's where we should start
1: I, uh,
3: that's 100 percent correct like, he is my otec he is my hunting educator he he finds all the deer for me literally i just kind of wake up and i'm like dude where am i going today you know <laughs> like what pants should i wear you know which underwear um <clears throat> but no uh so i am shooting a athens vista 31 um autumn blaze that one right there it is a 29 inch draw i am shooting the Kanati m1s with the z4 six degree i was shooting annihilator 125 grain xl broadheads with a vapor trail rest and hha sight uh, single pin adjustable uh yeah, I think that's pretty much it on that setup. So real quick, All, thumb release.
1: Our uh, a lot of our guys in the Patreon group and the Marco Polo have been talking about those annihilators, and you know I, I don't know a whole lot of guys who have have experience with them. So I mean, obviously they'll spine oh. a deer just fine, just like anything else. But listen, um, yeah, <laughs> what are we? It will blow through <laughs> a spine. I guarantee that. Um. So I started
3: using them last year. Um, I shot two doe last year and I was mainly testing to see how our pop-off of our zinger would happen with a wrap. So I was aiming farther forward than you should on a deer. Uh, doe came in and I'm like, I'm going to blow right through her shoulders. You know, I wanted, I wanted to pin her, um, ended up squaring her up. She, she was right at 22 yards. First one I shot straight through both shoulders, went through the humerus, um, stuck in the ground on the other side. She she turned around, spun, ended up circling around. I lost her. Brian came out. We tracked her for, she maybe made it 40 yards. Um, blood trail was eh, minimal, but that could have been just been shot placement. You know, you're, obviously there's not going to be too much blood too far forward. Um, but we were finding bone frag like chunks of the shoulder were in the track as we were going. Um, next doe I shot was, I think that one was like 27 yards and she ran, she ran maybe 30 yards, 35 yards. Um, so like, and obviously the last, um, so (laughs) Uh, yeah, the, the tracking hasn't been an issue just be, because the, they haven't, they don't run like, and that's with all the research that I've done with the annihilators. They, they don't run very far after you shoot them. And, you know, Brandon Brody, the annihilator guy, he, uh, he, he talks about the wound sucking channel is what he calls it with, uh, with the broad it almost like a bullet does. When it hits, you know it just kind of like vacuum around it, and I don't know if that's the shoveling of the broadhead that does that, but it's they, they've they've worked really well for a for me. Um, just dealing with a little bit of some inconsistent flight lately with them. That's okay. that's okay. So some guys some guys have very well flight, which today. And I think it was my tuning issue. Um, today I shot them again, um, with my other bow and zero issues. And I think it was just my tuning. I torque like a unreal, like (laughs) I have such horrible form. Um, so I had to work around that. And I think that's a lot of my issues with fixed heads is just my torquing issue. But, uh, you throw, you throw a field point, you know, a little mechanical head and right as rain but you throw a mechanical or a fixed blade on there and i i really have to really focus a lot okay but i'm just i'm i'm not as good a shot as as everybody else so (laughs) i just i like killing
5: though
4: (laughs) all right brandon I shoot a Athens Vista 31-2022 model, Uh, vapor trail rest, HHA single pin sight, Kanadi M1s with the full post. So I'm running 583 grains with my 125-grain Magnus buzz cuts. And I shoot a thumb release as well. I have two, one that I really like, uh, Stan, but it changes my anchor point and it's both my, I have another Athens bow, Vista 35, um, that I want to set up for that release because it's a little shorter. So it, both my bows are set up with my hunting release because it's, as we know, close to hunting season in case something happens to one bow, I don't have to flip flop around, I can use the same stuff. But I would like to set that up because that release is it's almost like a back tension and I'm too scared to shoot a back tension, but you can activate it. I mean, just pull it on your pinky a little bit and that thing goes off. It's very touchy. But that's my setup. I'm just ready for October 1st. <laughs>
1: you got one tied up or do you, do you have brian tie one up for you too or is that you just do that he doesn't steve? tie
4: mine up no, he doesn't <laughs> help me out he just helps steve
1: i know i from steve's explanation on the broadheads he's like yeah the deer went 40 yards but i needed brian to track it for me and i was like <laughs> yeah <laughs> what in he, the world he he you just had to have it?
4: him come out and help drag it, Listen, it you, got, dude. you got you got
1: a
3: dog to go you let the dog eat you know? hey
2: steve who drug your deer the deer you just shot the mule <laughs> <laughs>
3: You did what you had to do.
2: I I I, I help out any way I can.
1: Earn your keep.
2: That's All right. Hey gosh. So so my setup is uh, I got a Matthews V three thirty one. Um, so it's last year's model. I love it. Um, I I I dabbled with the gearhead. Love the gearhead bows as well. Um, but I wanted one bow because I had a, a B thirty and a B thirty six. So my B thirty was my hunting rig, and I had my EZV side on there, and that was my that was my killing rig. And I had my B36 kind of for a a, a target bow. Um, but I I kept this V331 around because I just I loved it, but I also, you know, I like the uniqueness of the, the gear head as well, it's just different. Um, skip's an awesome, awesome dude as well. Um, cool company, neat bows. Uh, but I'd settle on the V331 simply because I can use it for both, um, both my target as well as my hunting rig. So I can swap out sides it depends on the day my setup it really does i, I tinker i i like trying stuff um i will w- change tomorrow too <laughs> yeah it, it will um and you know some of us can relate and i i think that's for me some of the fun of it and it, it's engaging and again the add kicks in and i gotta try something different i just, i have an idea or a combination um but as of now <clears throat> what i'm going into this season with is my v331 i got a hamsky trinity rest um, HHA single pin movable. Um, I'm shooting the, uh, Kanadi K ones. So a little lighter setup, and I'm shooting sever, um, mechanical heads on there. Um, and I mean, those, they, they fly like darts. Um, I'm looking forward to, uh, testing some out. I got some two inch, uh, cut coming. So we're going to see how they do on the whitetail. Um, but yeah, like tomorrow it could change. Um, I'm really also, um, and it, it, zingers to me is a, it's a hobby it's work it's fun but at the same time i i love the trad bow um i absolutely love uh i, I have a longbow um a java man um Elkhart, and java man um is, uh, a company here in michigan which is kind of neat um but i it, i'm fighting myself i really want to take that out there and i probably will um my plan is to to get a couple does with it this year and There was a time, probably five, six years ago where I sold all my compound stuff. I wanted to make life simple because I'm a tinker and I was, it was in my head. So I got rid of all my stuff and I, and I trad hunted for a couple of years and I absolutely loved it. Um, And then I started dabbling with the Zinger stuff and kind of got back into the compound thing. I love shooting too. So, um, my setup will probably change tomorrow though. I'll tell you that, <laughs> but it's just, a, it's one of those things. It's a, it, it's engaging and, and we can change. And that's the cool thing. There's no, there's no right arrow set. There's no right or wrong and everybody can be different. And whatever works for you works for you.
1: Awesome. Well, I appreciate it guys. Where can people, uh, you know, contact Steve, uh, for the, the Z threes or the, 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 3.0s, um, you know
4: you have a number right yeah
1: he doesn't do anything else i mean he doesn't right. gut his own deer i'm sure he <laughs> you know find his own spots you know brian uh, you know big brother brought him in on the company you know for all this stuff so you know
4: i took him out last year he wanted another doe and i said well i got a spot let's go and i videotaped the hunt got him another doe brought him back to the house took the side by side out in the field and gutted it he didn't have to drag it so we're all here for Steve. Yeah.
3: Listen, sometimes <laughs> you gotta play the victim.
1: You know, I got these
3: <laughs> right where I want them.
1: So uh, yeah. So where can people follow along with uh, you know what you guys have going on and you know what's the best yeah. place if they got questions or whatever? I mean, I can, I can give yeah, them your you a number. Get, you yeah, you for get, sure. We're
3: just out at Miller. Uh, let me put you as a uh, cell phone. No. Uh, yeah, zingerfletches um you guys want to reach out you can shoot us a message on facebook instagram um yeah any anything on that we'll get back to you a, as quick as we can uh it'll it'll be me getting back to you uh unless it's uh, terrible customer service than someone else but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no uh zingerfletches.com and uh facebook on with uh, zingers or Zinger Slingers, we have a page on there, too. So,
1: All right. All right. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you for the time.
3: Thanks,
4: Thanks John. Thanks for having us, Adam. Thanks, John.
6: Island, that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt
4: Stand Presents Saturdays at 8:30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. wild game in wild places tuning to hunt stand presents saturdays at 8 30 p.m eastern waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment